0: Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 60, and I'm your co host, Nigel.
1: I'm Taddy, content creator and co host.
0: And our guests for today's episode, first up is art director for Trees Please Games, Rena McKeith. Rena, welcome.
2: Hi. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me back, which is always a good
0: sign. (laughs) That is a a good sign. That's definitely uh, (laughs) being allowed back on the premises is a good sign.
2: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, welcome. Um, So uh, we last spoke with Rina for episode 50, where we went very deep into Inside Out. Uh, I feel we're going to do a similar thing here, so look (laughs) out for that. Um, Also with us is another returning guest, a comic artist and illustrator, Renee Rentes. Renee, welcome back.
3: Thank you for having me again.
0: And uh, we interviewed Renee um, as part of her journey as a creative professional way back in episode 24. And uh, you can always subscribe to Story X Story if you're not already subscribed, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, pretty much. You can always send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com, or put them in our Discord, or throw them at us on social media. We're at Myamada on Twitter, at Myamada on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. As usual, we're going to get started with an update from the mymada universe. So, for March, we have one more Studio 77 interview. Well, actually, this is a panel. So, we have a Studio 77 panel uh, activity happening. So, if you're listening to this on the day of release, you have a few days to check out our Mental Health in Video Games panel with panelists from Gaming the Mind, Safe in Our World, and Splash Damage. That's happening on Tuesday, the 30th of March. From 7 pm. It's also part of the Games Careers Week, which is happening uh, across the end of March and beginning of April. So we'll put a link to, to that in the show notes. But otherwise, just follow us on Twitch and you'll be able to catch that. Yeah, we're just going to be talking on uh, mental health in video games from the perspective of playing video games, particularly the year it has been. And also for anyone interested in working in the video games industry, um, we have um, someone from Splash Damage who will be able to sort of speak on that. So check that out. Um, We are still working out when our next games night is going to be. But as mentioned before, we will be playing Roblox. Um, I have returned to doing uh, workshop sessions in school, which means I'm going to be able to, I'll probably be at some disadvantage advantage because i'll be able to speak to uh kids 10 to 12 and ask them about roblox that's a deal i'm going to make with my session um today well, that's not fair you're with...
1: getting a head start on me i
0: have to use the resources available to me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these kids are my resource <laughs> um so i've actually so i'm doing a session and um uh around stem career so we're actually going to be talking about video games so Uh, when I mentioned that the first question that came up was are we going to be playing Roblox at the time I said no I'm obviously going to now change that and uh, (laughs) so (laughs) uh, so once we work out when that's going to be we'll let people uh, know and um, on the gaming side of things again is our gamepad online event Saturday the 10th of April we will be coming back with our friendly fire competition with overcooked Courtesy of Team17, we also will be playing, or teams, our teams will be playing, Brawlhalla and Rocket League to find out who will be crowned Friendly Fire Champion for the spring event. I will also be doing two interviews, one with uh, Stefano Petrullo, who is the founder of Renaissance PR, we'll be talking about PR in video games, and Alice Winter of Playground Games, who is a game designer. We'll also be having our first panel at Gamepad. So we're going to be discussing the size of video games. Are they too big? Question mark. And it's kind of off the back of the cyberpunk quote unquote release. Just considering how games are launched, what the expectation is from fans and media. So I'll be joined by Imogen Mela, Quang Nagoyan, and Annie Grudeva. Um who come at, everyone comes at it from different perspectives from media to indie developer to game designer. So should be a good discussion that you can check out at the event. Uh, So tickets are free and ticket holders will get exclusive artwork from the My Matter universe. uh, And one person with tickets will be uh, the winner of a printed canvas of that artwork. So definitely get those tickets uh, while you still can. And a last thing on the manga side of things. Uh, So we're going to soon start on the artwork for our new manga, series. So if you follow us on social media or jump in our Discord, we'll be giving updates and um, yeah, just updates on as we progress with the the artwork and we put the book together and we'll be letting people know when that is available in spring. Uh, I mentioned on a past episode that we have Uh, We have had some concept art work experience students working with us on this, which has been an interesting experience for myself, uh, as well as them in terms of learning about the role of concept artists. And as part of, sort of off the back of that, for a future episode, we're going to be interviewing Bob Cheshire, who is a concept artist that has worked on uh, many Marvel features, including Black Widow, Infinity War, and Endgame, also Star Wars and Jurassic World, uh, and something he just started that he can't tell me about so i probably can't ask about but i might still ask about only to tell <laughs> only to be told no he can't say anything but anyway that's coming up later in spring uh, as well so those are all the updates from the my matter universe tazzy let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week
1: so it's time for us to have a spoiler free discussion about what stories people have been reading watching or playing so we'll start with our guests and um, we'll go ahead and start with Rena.
2: well I think like the rest of the world I've been watching WandaVision I mean I just absolutely adored it I think you've probably spoken about it already if you haven't and if you haven't oh, seen have it. it oh One of course <laughs> please well I was just so swept up in it. And, I, and, you know, we're going to be talking about a film which took interesting creative risks today. And I think what I loved most about WandaVision is the way they've taken creative risks for a big company like Disney with a big, um, you know, IP like Marvel Cinematic Universe to take storytelling risks like that. I was really impressed and super inspired. So if any of you have been following me on Twitter, um, you might have seen that I've been illustrating just a moment from each episode and then taking inspiration like they did uh, from the visual styles of the time. So each episode I've done a, a visual art style from animation of the time. So really enjoyed that, just finished it, finally got my time back, um, but it was absolutely wonderful. I was there for it, it such a creative tour de force, I thought.
1: I've really enjoyed your artwork as well. I have been like, it. really <laughs> Thank cool. you so much.
2: I mean, I started it just for myself, um, but it, you know, it, I think it seemed to strike a chord with some of my followers, so I was really pleased with the reaction. Um, but it was—it's also just really freeing sometimes as a creative to be able to fall into art styles that aren't your own to experiment with different characters and different visual styles. So I really enjoyed doing that. But in the other times when I wasn't drawing, and I wasn't watching TV, and I wasn't working, I was playing Ghosts of Tsushima, which um, came out last year, but I'm uh, always behind the curve from Silker Punch. And if you haven't played it, it's just the most gorgeous foray into 13th century feudal Japan. And it's, it's breathtakingly beautiful. Um, I just sometimes I would just stop for a moment and look at the trees moving (laughs) it's just so gorgeous and they have this amazing mode where you can kurosawa mode they call it where you can make it look like a kurosawa film and the cinematography and it is beautiful so it's absolutely exceptional I really enjoyed the gameplay as well but I there I do have a warning for you uh, that about halfway through the game I was and this is spoiler free so don't worry but I was beginning to get a bit Jaded because every time I went on a story mission, some some poor farmer would tell me, "Oh, Jin Sakai, please save my family from the Mongols." And you know, I, I just wanted to be able to. They didn't give me this option in the game, but I did want to turn to him and just go, "Like seriously, your family's all dead. They're always all dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just unremittingly grim." <laughs> It's really, I mean, I don't know what I expected from yeah, like a, a game about the Mongol invasion, but hey, <laughs> not the most uh, uplifting, but it, really visually stunning. If you're looking to, um, to dive into an adventure where you can be a, a samurai and a ninja in one and sneak around, the most breathtakingly gorgeous Japanese scenery it is so wonderful. And especially for me, I was supposed to go on a trip to Japan last year, um, just after COVID hit, so obviously I had to postpone that, and it was a, a way of going for a little holiday by, by myself with my controller.
1: Oh, that's you know uh, a bittersweet kind of um, play experience, I suppose. I know, little <laughs> <laughs> tear in the corner of my eye.
0: <laughs> the the creators were given like ambassador status after that came that game came out for Sushima because of the sort of raising the profile of the area um so i think oh. they're like official ambassadors of the area or something like
2: that yeah i mean i want to go there now yeah. <laughs> it's like, i understand I and mean, they really make it seem like the most magically beautiful place and this is even with the mongol invasion going around burning things you still want to go see it um i think they did an incredible job just the most amazing art direction touches you've ever seen. Like, you know, in many games, they have to figure out how to get you from place A to place B and people get lost. And normally they just put like a marker on a map and there's a little glowy icon or something telling you which way to go. They solve this by the most elegant way, where instead you just swipe up on the controller and this like wind will come flowing through the grasses and little like petals of leaves will float on the wind in the direction you have to go it's (laughs) oh they had a blast it's absolutely beautiful yeah
1: I've not played it but I'm like I've watched people play and that that particular mechanic really excites me and I really hope after it being so successful in Ghost of Tsushima that it will like be used more in future great games because it's really nice and subtle
2: yeah it's so subtle and 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 it just makes you feel still inhabited in the world can't help it if there's a big like glowy icon on the horizon and something going to be like mm. I guess I'm going there
1: <laughs> definitely it's,
2: it's really elegant I love to see when when people solve problems that you thought were solved and just make a better solution
1: mm. um yeah oh well like both like really great ones one that I haven't been able to play and one that i've completely enjoyed watching as well i think both me and nigel have completely enjoyed watching that yeah um renee what about you
3: i've been really enjoying two series
1: on netflix uh, this past year
3: uh you and uh, the haunting of blind manor both are pretty dark series but i just really love the storytelling in the two of them
1: yeah i absolutely love the haunting of blind manor though i've been like scared to get into you it's um
3: very uh, how do you say that um enjoyable until it gets dark and twisted. So it, it it's I really like how they put like sort of a thriller and a um yeah kind of a dark story into a romantic kind of setting. Like you you watch it and you're like oh this is not so bad. This is actually kind of cute. But yeah they, they put it very poetically and it's very well written. Like you're constantly in the head of this stalker who does these things and yeah i could really recommend it it's kind of uh yeah a very good series
1: yeah <laughs> it sounds like it draws you in with honey just to <laughs> crush your soul <laughs> which
3: is which is apt i guess for them for the actual plot right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so maybe i uh it's like sort of like a reverse romantic series i guess yeah it, it
2: sounds like it really calls into question all of those so sort of romantic comedy mm. tropes and and kind of challenges you and makes you look at them in a different way
1: yeah it brings up that like question of like the toxicity of some of those things that are like looked at as like hyper romantic but really they're just creepy, <laughs> <So> creepy.
3: <laughs> they're kind of creepy but I'm more surprised actually how many responses the series got from women who are actually very attracted to this kind of behavior and I was like you realize this is not healthy right (laughs) this is how like red flags look like don't
1: (laughs) I mean that's a big just topic in its own right just these tropes and behaviors that have kind of been fed as
2: romantic yeah, if a guy ever stands outside my window in the middle of the night with a boombox, I am going to be
1: terrified. <laughs> we have to be in a very particular place for that to be okay. <laughs> calling
2: the cops on speed dial. There's a crazy man outside.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm next. I guess <laughs> I'm just like thinking. I I need to just watch it because so many people have watched it. But so I this is actually one that I watched way back not way, way back, but more like the beginning of the year, I guess, um, that I said I was going to bring up because I watched it while we were on a break from the podcast. And, yeah, so it's Sweet Home, which is a a series on Netflix. It's Korean. My phone just thought Wait, I was talking it to gosh. it. I <laughs> don't know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was, Get me home. Do you <laughs>
1: for I needed some emergency directions it's fine. Um, yeah, so uh yeah yeah it's like a Korean horror drama I don't yeah I guess that's the I don't know what it is categorised on Netflix it's kind of what it is um but it kind of takes a spin on like zombie type invasion not quite zombie but like there's these monsters um, and I don't know, I saw the trailer and I was like, I'm so invested in this already. I there was like, I don't know, like a clip of like a monster and a boy and some like brooding comment. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's really fun. It's a really, really fun watch. It can be jumpy, but like the way they've done, like the monsters in it are really cool. The concept of it is really cool. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna let Nigel say what he's been watching in a second, because I feel like he's, like you've just stolen like <laughs> one of my answers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my apologies. What did I steal?
1: So I've I literally yesterday just started rewatching Black Lagoon. Oh, okay, because I love that series. And, to be fair,
0: I stole both from you because both of mine are recommendations from you.
1: Oh, okay, fair. I've not. I've so, and because I've like obviously I've said it like I don't know how many times on the podcast now, but I moved. <laughs> My life has been in chaos, so I'm like <laughs> most of what I've watched has been like just movies that I've not really been watching, watching. And that I don't need to bring up on the podcast. <laughs> I've not had like a chance to really play games much. So yeah, like Black Lagoon's the only like really recent one, which I literally just started on Sunday. Re-watching though. So the movie didn't completely steal it off me because I've already watched
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I started watching Black Lagoon and I've I've finished The Great Pretender. I actually forgot to bring this up on a podcast previously, but I remembered it because Although the two series don't have any connection, uh, it just occurred to me that the protagonist characters are quite similar. Mm. Uh, so, The Great Pretender is is great as the name suggests. There's a reason the word "great" is in there. Uh, it's a it's a heist story. So you've got this uh, this kid who fancies himself as a bit of a con man. I think he dubs himself like the greatest con man in Japan. I feel something to that end, um, but he he spots a a mark. Um, for those not familiar with the confidence game, that is a victim of your next con. Um, so he thinks he's gonna you know trick this guy. Turns out uh, this guy is uh, an actual confidence man uh, called Laurent, and is playing a con on him. Uh, a, a deep con that uh, kind of is explained later on. But he pulls him into this this world. Of um basically pulling heist on people who deserve it. So the the main character, his name his name is Edamora, but but because uh Laurent, who is French in this in this show, uh mispronounces his name as Edamame, he just <laughs> keeps calling him Edamame, which uh which just makes me laugh every time. Edamora gets pulled into this, uh, this world this of heist and the the show, I think it's it's like f- Three or four seasons, and each season is uh, has a different heist, different victim that they're. I say victim; some of these people had it coming, but the different person they're pulling this heist on, and it's so elaborate. And I, I just, I love heist stories anyway. Uh, one of the Maya Madden stories is a heist story, uh, hot lunch, and the way this does it is it gives you the heist, so it gives you the here's the here's the mission, here's the target here's the plan here's how the plan goes wrong here's how we're gonna adapt and here's how this was always the plan <laughs> it's that kind <laughs> of uh, it's that kind of a layout but what it also does over the series is gives you depth into each of the main characters so you have um, is it, uh, Ron who's like the leader Abigail who's got like a dark uh, past uh, I think Cynthia is the other one so each one gets their, each member of the team gets their backstory and explores like their motivations where they've come from i really like that i really like that actually because i would have just been happy with the high story but it gives you like who these characters are and black lagoon that i've just started is about a i can't remember the guy's profession but a a person he just works for
1: like a corporate company like just regular (laughs) nine
0: to five suit and tie kind of guy who gets caught up in the life of piracy not like napstar uh i'm downloading songs Italy, the piracy <laughs> like like old uh, old piracy like uh proper piracy we had to, like get to have a boat. a boat and everything yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so he gets in with this crowd i'm only on my six six episodes or so in Mm -hmm. um so i'm really enjoying that so he he just this is like a fish out of water kind of thing for him but from what it seems like he's he's learning to uh, adapt but the reason why i say both these characters are quite similar they're both characters who the protagonist i mean so um i think his name's his nickname is rock they they gave him the main character and he uh, loses
1: his real name in like the first episode yeah (laughs) i know
0: (laughs) (laughs) he's just rock um (laughs) So Rock and Edamura uh, in The Great Pretender—they're both characters who, are, and I, I was having this discussion with someone about the types of characters in anime and manga. They're both characters who typically aren't the main character because they don't really want to be there, and they're not necessarily like they're not built for this kind of like illegal work, this kind of mercenary kind of work. But they bring themselves to it, and they, in a way change the people around them or make the people around them think differently and I quite find that interesting about anime and manga it tends to put forward as protagonists these characters who don't necessarily fit I guess what in our western sort of comics and uh films who would be the protagonist characters they're not necessarily completely confident very self-conscious uh the, and they care <laughs> basically actually is what I'm uh what I'm getting at they care about other people and that kind of that sometimes can be their downfall but it could also be their strength so um yeah two series that aren't necessarily related but in terms of the characters the type of characters that are uh made protagonist um i felt there's a connection there
1: i mean they're both about organizations that do illegal activities
0: yeah actually to be fair there is you yeah, are quite yeah it's <laughs> similar, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so yeah it wasn't as, as mysterious as i as i thought as i thought <laughs>
1: One's got more guns and explosions in it than the other one. Oh,
0: yes, yeah, that is true. <laughs> A lot more.
1: Yeah, I've not finished The Great Pretender. I'm on this season two. Okay. I'm not the biggest fan of heists. Apart from, I, I don't mind the ones that are over quickly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, this yeah, this is all heist.
1: <laughs> I get annoyed with the whole, oh, no, we're wrong. And then, oh, no, like, how are we going to... And, it, like, it drags out, but I really like the... Uh, like the character development in it and that's why I'm so invested and no wait or am I on the third season no yeah no I'm on the third because I'm on the third heist okay heist per season because it makes I really like the first heist the second season I was not too keen on I wasn't too keen on the heist itself and I wasn't too keen on like I feel like it not as much happens in it I don't know. I didn't feel like satisfied with like the character deve- development development seemed to I don't know. Like it I just I was just not keen on it.
0: What do you feel th- feel about the third one?
1: The third one so far I'm enjoying the character development, but I really don't like the heist. <laughs> like, I'm so bored of this heist, I don't think it's that interesting.
0: <laughs> I really like the character development. I like the character development in that third one more than the heist.
1: Yeah. And I just, the way I see it, like the way I think of like The Great Pretender is it's like the Ocean's films, if they were anime.
0: Yeah, which is, I think you said that on the podcast and that's what sold me. (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: if anyone's like, I don't know about anime, but they're really into like the Ocean's films, then I feel like this is the anime for you because it's got that same sense of like, getting the team together and the way they get the teams together every time (laughs) i'm just like you really don't get you're never getting
0: away (laughs) from this scenario
1: you're trapped
0: anyway yes so that is all the stories that we have been enjoying uh we're now going to get into our main story discussion So this is going to be uh, an interesting one because we are going to be talking about the animated comedy drama Soul produced by Pixar Animation Studios with the screenplay by uh, Arthur and Pete Doctor, who we talked about on the Inside Out podcast, Kent Powers and Mike Jones. I'm going to do a recap of this story before I do. I'm going to take a a quick overall impressions from everyone about what they felt uh, about this story let's start with rena what did you feel about this story
2: i think when i watched it first i was like oh yeah but then it sat with me and i think i i loved it more and more and more and obviously i watched it a second time before we discussed it here and i really 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 really, really like it i think it's i think it's really wonderful um so i'm just so blown away by the depth of emotion and um, what they're what they were talking about and and the scale of the problems they were ri- they were raising I just loved it I was I was there for it and I the, the more I think about it the more I think it's it, sh- it, it should win Oscars for this film for sure well,
0: yeah because it's up for I guess it's up for the usual best uh, animation feature length animation
2: yeah I was really hoping it would get a nod in the um the this best film and best direction. I'm not sure I'd have to double check whether they did or not, but because for me, this is one of those animated films which transcend the kind of boundaries usually put up on it by children's films to just being, you know, a, a really wonderful film. I think, I, I think labeling it as a children's film is sort of underselling its impact. And I think it, it could easily have sat with the other best picture mm. um, nominations in my opinion. Yeah, so I, think, I, I So I didn't like it that much. No, I <laughs> Long story short, yeah, nah, not a fan. I no. walked out halfway
0: through. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, uh, Renee, what did you feel?
3: I really enjoyed the movie. It was um, the first impression I got, like, oh, this, this is a really cool, inspiring movie about passion and music and following that. And ending with an existential crisis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love <Yeah>. this.
0: <laughs> we do like a good existential crisis on this podcast. So Tazzy, what did you feel about Soul?
1: So first of all, I want to start with like pointing out that until uh, Rena and Renee said about this being underrated by being just seen as a kid's film, I forgot that this was a kid's film. Hmm. Like, I've just watched it and at not one point did I think, oh yeah, this is a kids film. No, that's not what I, like, I don't even, I feel like it's a film that kids can watch, but it's not a kids film.
0: There you go. This is the difference between like kids film and all ages.
1: Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like it has more of a, like, I feel like this is perfect for adults and late teens children can still watch it but I feel like most of it would go past most of the themes would go past them yeah I really enjoyed it I really liked the the sort of like overall message of it and it kind of made me want to just like I like go out into the world and like feel stuff and see stuff and (laughs) smell stuff and maybe eat at a restaurant you know have a pizza yeah have a
0: pizza
1: they look great but like yeah I, it was so such a nice mu- movie and I there's just one detail that like really just kept standing out to me and that's um and I'm definitely I'm really not a music person but they kept playing the scales like it kept going through through the scales at like just these different points in the movie and it's like really subtly
0: oh, I didn't even I don't think I noticed that
1: yeah and um like I said I'm not a music person <laughs> I only noticed it because I was just like what what is that like there's just this one sound that keeps repeating and it's just like they're like just like a really subtle subliminal thing And um, but then I remembered as well uh right at the beginning that he says when he's teaching the class that he's like okay just practice your scales <laughs> oh. and then so like maybe there's something in there and now i'm like oh i wish i'd watched it like earlier so that i could go and have like a little youtube <laughs> rabbit hole search and find out if there's like any hidden meaning that i'm missing
0: yeah interesting i i also enjoyed this i had i did have some i think i had some issues with the with the ending and uh Reena might correct me i'm not sure if you're going to convince <laughs> me but I, th- <laughs> I think i'm not as you could tell i'm not 100 sure but i think i had some issues with the ending um but i will say like this this film like just touched me more than any pixar film because like this i saw myself like i saw um as i was watching like joe's uh story wow i i feel this i'm i feel like i'm in the middle of this I need to hear this, I needed Mm. this film. So there was a moment, and we're going to get to it, where Tazzy said you just wanted to sort of get up and go out. I also wanted to just get up and go out, but for different reasons, and just like ponder what (laughs) what is life, what have I been (laughs) doing all all this time and go just like uh, lie Mm -hmm. down in a field somewhere and and contemplate. Obviously, we can't do that. Well, actually, fields are okay, so I just don't have any fields near where I am otherwise I totally would have been out just laid down cows around me wondering what this guy's doing so yeah I, I just I think it's I think it's really it's just really really good but the way Pixar can just put these like really deep themes into something that can be watched by younger audiences because even though these are really like, heavy themes I feel it's still worth getting those kind of messages to younger people particularly young people interested in like creative careers uh, and things like that so yeah I thought it was a really impressive effort uh, and we're gonna get into the details after I recap the story
1: I just want to make a point because I said it but I don't think who was recording um and it was like earlier on um but how because you were saying how it's like uh how you needed to watch this because I also felt like I am at a point in this movie and I really needed to watch this. I'm like, you know, just before the last act, I'm like on that point of like recognizing, you know, just to live a little bit more. And
2: I think it's it's also incredible that Pixar managed to schedule this for the year that we've been having. And I think everyone needed to see this yeah, Actually. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so did they do that on purpose had they know it's conspiracy theory land really, or Pixar scheduled yeah, it oh, just in time don't
0: put that out because that, <laughs> that will be soon enough <laughs> so yeah good. so spoiler alert on on soul but also on this is going to be a therapy session. Just, you've been warned. This is going to go in some places. Anyway, so the story takes us to New York City where a middle school teacher, Joe Gardner, still dreams of playing jazz full-time on the road. Joe learns of an opening in the band of jazz legend, Dorothea Williams, and impresses at an audition. Dorothea agrees for him to perform later that night, but as an excited Joe heads off, he falls down a manhole and dies, sort of. Joe's soul is heading to the great beyond, He tries to escape, but ends up in the Great Before, where counselors, all named Jerry, prepare souls for life. Mistaken for a mentor soul, Joel is assigned 22, a cynical soul who is determined to avoid living on Earth. However, 22 agrees to find her spark and to complete her Earth Badge so that Joel can use it to return home. The pair find themselves in the zone, the place where souls enter when in a euphoric state of doing and where obsessed souls also arrive. Joe and 22 meet Moonwind, who helps Joe find where his body lays in a comatose state. Joe jumps back to earth, but accidentally carries 22, resulting in 22 entering his body and Joe entering a therapy cat called Mr Mittens. They find Moonwind at his day job as a sign-tweller and agree to meet him later at the music club to restore Joe to his body. In the meantime, 22 enjoys a small life moment while interacting with Joe's friends at the barbershop and a talented student, Connie. Meanwhile, Terry, an obsessive accountant, is there any other kind, uh, who counts (laughs) souls, discovers that Joe is missing and heads to Earth in order to send him to the great beyond and restore the count. Joe and 22 meet Moonwind once again but 22 runs away to find her spark and in the chase Terry brings both back to the great before. Here 22 realises her badge is filled out yet Joe insists it was down to being in his body. Now upset 22 tosses the badge at Joe and disappears into the zone. One of the Jerry's informs Joe that a spark isn't tied to a purpose, but simply means a soul is ready to live. Back on Earth, Joe successfully performs with Dorothy, but is left unsatisfied, only to realise that the moments he and 22 both enjoyed in life were what gave 22 her spark. Joe enters the zone to look for 22, only to discover that she has become a lost soul. After chasing her down, Joe convinces her that she is ready to live and on returning her badge, Joe guides 22 out of the great before so she can finally enter Earth. Now prepared for the great beyond, Joe is offered another chance at life for inspiring 22 to live. Joe returns to his body on Earth and starts the next day committed to enjoying his entire life. The end. We touched on it already, but... This idea of this not being a quote-unquote kids' film, and I wonder if this is like uh, an effort that shows Pixar as like growing up as, as storytellers. Just in the way, I guess, yeah. I mean, they're good at executing these stories with with deep themes, but this seems to take on another level. And uh, another thing, I know, Rena, you're or like you were impressed with when we discussed Inside Out is the uh, what you mentioned, like the economy of Pixar storytelling, mm. how much they can pack into such a short space of time.
2: I mean, just listen to what you just read out, and yet it feels so natural in the film. It, you know, I never felt that the story was kind of galloping along. Obviously, there's the Pixar pace, and it. it's, it's fast, but I, I never felt like the stories are rushed. And for me, I think there's this wonderful in the cold oak open. So just between you know the the Pixar logo comes up and before we get the title sequence we get 11 minutes of the most incredible introduction <laughs> sort of econ- economic storytelling I've seen in ages because we meet Joe, we see where he works we meet uh, Connie we meet his mum, we get the background to his love of jazz with the story about his dad we understand that his mum doesn't really support him, we get his opportunity to Uh, play with Dorothea, which he said, and I quote, I would die a happy man if I
1: got to play (laughs) with Dorothea,
2: you know. He does his audition, he is successful, and he dies all in 10 minutes. It is just exceptional storytelling. Mm. You think you need um, 90 minutes to tell a story, but Pixar, look at how they use their 90 minutes. It is like a tour de force. I feel like Pete Doctor is just a virtuoso director that he, he tackles these problems with such, like, I'm sure it's not easy. And if we watch the making of, I'm sure he will tell us how uh, not easy it was, but he just makes it look so effortless. Um, So, yeah, I think that we've seen Pete doctor grow up through his movies, through the things he's tackling, the themes he's, he's diving into. Uh, this is a man having a moment going like hey i've achieved so much (laughs) like he's a creative director of pixar what's next right i'm sure he's feeling like joe um and yeah i think this this film is just quintessential pete doctor i love it
0: no i I totally get it It is that idea of like because you you only have so much space like storytelling space it's like deciding what goes in and what doesn't. And often if something looks easy and effortless, <laughs> that means a lot of effort has been put into uh, to make it appear so.
2: That's it. that's precisely it. And I think, I think if, if you're interested in storytelling and you're interested in how to build character and how to get connection between the audience and a main character, just watch those first 10 minutes and see how quickly you care about Joe. Because we care about the fact that he's fallen down that manhole in 10 minutes. You feel it for him. You know, you're like, oh, you know, you get mm. it. So yeah. I think that's that's the bit that really gets you. And, and you see so much, you know, about why he is the way he is, what's driving him, you know, this sort of awkward relationships he has, That it's, it's perfection.
0: Mm. Renee, in terms of like, I guess, Pixar, have you seen many of Pixar's, other films, how do you think it compares in terms of how they told this story?
3: Yeah, I think they definitely uh, stepped up their game. I already had like with Inside Out and with Coco that they, like the subject of death and mental health, it's all very like unspoken or taboo to talk about, especially for with kids sometimes, because it's like you want to protect them from those dark things or dark uh, dark subjects. But they know how to yeah, display this uh, subject without making it something that's hard to talk about or dark, <laughs> if I explained it right. right. But um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think they stepped up their game with this one. I was, I wasn't sure how to feel after I saw this movie because yeah. there were so <laughs> many you and me both. subjects they um, they put into this I, I really love the fact like they tackled um what well, the afterlife what what happens where you go to after you die and uh the subject of passion and what's your purpose in life and how passion can turn into an obsession and getting lost and like oh my god so many things <laughs>
2: <laughs> so even where personalities come from how we're how we become who we are. And I I remember I was reading about this and Pete doctor said that there was so much written about where we go after we die, but there's so little about where we've come from and where our souls come from and how we become who we are. Uh, And he did a lot of research into different spiritual um, beliefs and systems as part of it. And he just said this was almost a blank slate um, and I think he filled it with something so wonderful.
0: <laughs> I do really like that in terms of like just when you're putting together a story, just that research part. That's one of the things that I want to in- invest more time into as we make like my matter stories. Like researching all these different fields and then be able to pick out what works for your story. Um, I was like that whenever I hear about like Pixar's latest effort. It's about that research phase and what they learn and how that applies to the story they're trying to tell
2: and i think as well that they're willing to tackle things that maybe are outside their own experiences by doing that research and also by making sure to invite people in to the room and into their their production so that has this sort of authenticity that it feels more natural and real uh whether it's you know the we'll talk about it later with the music or with camp powers or the other people who are able to bring a more authentic voice to something that pete by himself might have struggled with
0: yeah definitely and like you mentioned the music we don't uh often talk about music specifically on on the show but i did want to shout out just because it's a big it's a big part of the story uh for one and i just wanted to mention the the person who composed and arranged the jazz com- uh, compositions, uh, John Batiste. Who, so I watched. I was going to say a lot, not to say a lot, but some uh, sort of late night shows in America, just because uh, I'm into sort of political comedy, uh, oftentimes. And the The Late Show with Stephen Colbert has John Batiste as the band leader, so he he adds the musical touches to the show, and it was just interesting to hear him talk about being on this project at times but also just him as a person like i think this one, i think this won an emmy for the music and you know sometimes you just see people get achievements and you're just like happy for them because <laughs> this guy is just he's just like a happy person on the show and he's i love that he's the way he improvises with the music on the show uh, i also if i could play an instrument it would be the piano and just seeing him just improvise on the piano uh show after show uh just yeah just happy for him like winning that recognition and and awards i just wanted to shout that out but then just for the use of jazz in this story because it kind of acts as a motif because of the nature of the story like the theme of the story about improvising and, and enjoying life as you go and jazz is about sort of making it up as you go along so to speak um so yeah how do people feel about the jazz influence in this story
1: like i said earlier i don't like know much about music other than like i listen to it and it makes me feel stuff (laughs) (laughs) or sometimes it just it doesn't and that's fine so like i didn't even put those two things together you know like the nature of jazz is like it's like rifting right it's just going with the flow and and rifting like jazz being the sort
0: of it fits
1: yeah it just it fits it makes so much sense
0: because even 22 says like we're jazzing
1: (laughs) yeah i loved that i like everything it's like oh you were jazzing." (laughs) jazzing what i
2: what i love about it because i i also heard that originally they wanted him to be an actor the first early scripts they were going to be an actor and then They changed it to a jazz musician. And I think partly that was because jazz musicians, it feels you're in it for the love of the thing itself. You're not doing it because you want to be famous or because you want to be rich or because, you know, you're doing it because you just have this love of jazz and love of music. Otherwise, you wouldn't. It's, it's you know, as his mum talks about, it's a crazy career. Like, why would you do it? (laughs) You (laughs) um, You know, it's not a sensible thing. And I think that the switch to jazz uh, it was such a good choice for the storytelling and then i i really loved how that decision informed so much more of the film and is threaded through like if you watch the animation styles so joe he he's this obviously this lanky guy but his animation is super f- fanatic and kind of like his it's really rhythmic but sort of broken especially early on and he's sort of like Kind of jittery, and then you see someone like Dorothea, whose whose movements are really slow and melodic and calm, just like she is. And by the end, as uh, Joe's having his epiphany, his musical style is almost evolving. The music he plays to to connect with twenty two is this soft, gentle, wistful piece of music, and I feel like that. It just shows also in how he's growing, how the music grows with him. I think it's it's really beautiful. And I think it's it's some like you were talking about, kind of going with the flow, and something I've seen in the whole movie is this concept of almost like perfectly imperfect. And everything in the film has that quality to it that I really love. And I think it's true of the music as well. When he's playing and that audition he fluffs he makes mistakes
4: yeah and then he
2: goes with it yeah he just sort of leans in and sort of lets himself go and I think that's a beautiful part of the film
0: yeah I do like that moment when he he's at the audition and he kind of he struggles because he's he's nervous and you know it's his big break but then he gets into it and then he goes off and then he goes into the flow and then he comes back and everyone's just like all right, so this is what uh, this is what the I've forgotten the student's name, but this is what you were trying to get uh, get across to us. Like this guy can play, so mm-hmm. you're you're on. Um, I think that was at like the three minute mark in this. In that <laughs> yeah, because <in this.
2: laughs> yeah, even got the concept of flow, like they got everything into that first ten minutes.
0: So I like how you link the yeah the music to the animation and. We have two people who uh, work in illustration and artwork. Renee, what did you, what did you think about the the character design? Because along the lines about what we were saying about this being a not necessarily a children's film, uh, I feel like that came across like for me anyway. It came across in like the character design in the human world because it's very just very grounded. But then when you got to the the, I was gonna say the Pixar world, but the soul world it then felt more <laughs> Pixar in terms of like the design of the souls and um and that and then the design of like the counselors like what do you think about the character design across uh, across the different worlds in this film
3: uh, i I absolutely loved it i I'm really impressed how they especially with uh, the counselors uh, the juries, how they sort of like this artistic yeah it's like abstract. Did, did... A very yeah very abstract and but it still works in this 3d setting it's um really well thought of and same with the designs for the soul like what does a soul look like and it's very um i think words are very hard to describe this this yeah movie. <laughs> everything is so so well thought of but i can't really point out exactly how or why
0: like it just works. For example,
3: it just works, it's, it's just, the animation is so amazing. Uh, in the real world, in the uh, grade before, yeah. <laughs> I thought the Terry's were so funny. When I saw that design,
2: I just imagined a poor concept artist like head down on the table going, how am I supposed to represent an abstract, intangible concept? And then <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll do it by using an abstract, intangible form. It just sort of made me laugh to think that there's so, like and then there. To see what the director thinks of this, and then they love it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it <laughs> great. Yeah, you, you weren't. You didn't think they were going to go. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. And you're like, oh, which I loved. But yeah, you see, kind of like the. I mean maybe when you're talking about the grown up, I think there's you know, we can see so much influences across the board for this film, especially in the the character design. I think you can see obviously like Miro and Kandinsky in the in the abstraction in the world of like the the souls and then in the in I think in the real world you can see a lot of Ronald Se- Searle, I think. Um, you know, there's a kind of a little hint of that, and then you know maybe some of the kind of harlem renaissance artists like Aaron douglas and things like that it's it's really beautiful and i think the way they've captured again like i was saying this sort of perfectly imperfect forms you know people aren't conventionally handsome or beautiful in this film they're they're just real people average joes right (laughs) um and they're they're middle-aged they have pot bellies they have like funny faces and and pear-shaped bodies or around like no one is I don't I don't think I saw any what I would kind of like conventional like even Pixar bodies because there's like the Pixar and the Disney faces you know that are kind of so ubiquitous at the moment this is this is much more specific and much more like embracing the, the normality of it right these aren't handsome people they're not gonna to sell toys you know not of the maybe of the not of imagine many joe yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> joe action figures going on now
2: but it's it's and it's something else like I really loved and about how how normal things were like you look at the New York of this film and every texture is grimy like it like it just stop any scene look at the wall there's paint flex there's dirt there's like things are filthy and it's so beautiful. Like how <laughs> you know this like gorgeous sun, like and the autumn colors that they have in the palette for the real world, these ye- lovely oranges and reds and, and and yellows that they have in the soft, like new frantic New York and the grimy New York. And then they contrast this with the softness and you know, there's no angularity. All the angles have vanish and you get this blues and pinks and comforting like a warm blanket in the great before and I think that's there's and you know how much I like to kind of like oh maybe they're doing this but I noticed (laughs) that you know like from my inside out or I was like oh and then they use the color but um I noticed that Joe like for that final scene where he's kind of coming he's not quite there yet but he's getting to understand the world a little better and they put him in a dark blue suit and I was like oh the blues from the great the great before are creeping in but it's it's just this uh, okay. oh, tour de force and it's something I, like you know I get so obsessive over the little details that they do but you know you would expect New York and all the rows upon rows of windows everything to be kind of rigid and structured but it's not it's all broken if you look at a row of windows on the buildings in New York and the in the film they won't they're not all even they're slightly staggered slightly broken slightly off it's it's just so subtle and getting it just right so it doesn't pull too much tension oh
0: interesting i didn't even know see i'm gonna have to go watch it every time yeah you mentioned something i think, <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i haven't actually seen the film <laughs>
2: it's just glorious i like i could i could talk about it all day um then the craftsmanship that pixar has to weave the storytelling into all their artistic decisions um, is incredible
0: and i think for something like this where you you really do have almost almost three different or different designs because you have new york which is different to the soul world but then the souls are they feel quite i don't know like fluffy almost no mm. that's probably not the right word but sort of warm and, and fluffy but then the the council is just like angular and abstract and just like different design to different design to different design all fitting together in the same story and feeling that they match. and then a great example of that is is when terry comes into the human world like i like how they uh, represented him sort of moving moving through the different spaces as his super angular in <laughs> this real new york world was, i thought that was great
1: i love those moments I loved the 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 Jerrys and Terry and the interactions between <laughs> the Jerrys and Terry. It's like, Terry is just this really sort of coward. that's just like, it's not right. Let's not do it. And the Jerrys are just like, it's cool. It's <laughs> like, okay, Terry. Well, relax, relax. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if there's such a big problem, like you go sort it out. And then when they like give him the award, that he requested, (laughs) he requested, and then like like, when it comes when um twenty two comes like smashing through, and the Jerry that gave him the award is just like, I'll take this back, (laughs) like a smug.
0: I did feel for Jerry. No, I felt for Terry.
1: Terry, that like oh you know we um we think you deserve a second chance, Joe. And then Joe's uh, so like, but, you know, does it not add up? And then like, no, don't worry, we've sorted it out. <laughs> and there's that scene and we're like, oh, my God, look over there. Uh, and just changes it.
2: So beautiful. It was amazing.
0: I did. just I felt for Terry. I did feel like <laughs> I respected You identify strongly.
2: He, Are you a Terry at heart? I
0: wouldn't say identify, <laughs> but I, I respected the role that he played in in this in this sequence of events <laughs> like, yeah. we, we need we need terry like i i'm we not going to do, do that Terry's, yeah but we need we need terry so terry, shout out to like, Terry's.
3: oh man i wouldn't i would really love like a short uh pixar movie of terry and jerry terry. yeah yeah <laughs> a day
0: in the life yeah, yeah <laughs> like i,
2: I love
3: their characters and the
2: designs it's amazing i think the first moment you know when when they turn I was like oh oh, I think I think I just I know no one else probably I know you you were all Renee but I'm I don't know how many audience members in general are sitting there going wow that's such a smart way of solving that problem but Mm -hmm. that turn like you were talking about I'm like oh so incredible it just worked and uh, you know I bet that the the whole tech art team had
3: a real nightmare trying to make that work, but it looks so effortless again. Yeah, I heard that like they've used like wires and uh, stuff like that to uh, as inspiration for the animation, like how mm. it should work in uh, as a 2 d and 3 d animated thing <laughs> i will
2: I will say that sometimes a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing because the sole design. I really got distracted by normal mapping every time I saw their colors. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a very technical thing, so not everyone will know, but in, in the 3D art pipeline, you make these normal maps, which are these purpley, bluey, greeny maps that wrap around the character design, the 3D character models. And I was like, again, was it p- some poor character designer who just left the normal map on? And someone went, yeah, that's lovely. Do you like to ship it? <laughs>
1: I have to say, I really, really, really loved the design of the like the space between mm. the uh, astral plane and just like the idea of people being in this state of flow, and then the people that have like become obsessed. Again, it's one of these things that you can really relate to. I was like, wow, like I feel that, but equally I feel being one of those lost souls because there's been mm. like points where I'm just. I don't even I'm not aware. And when they um sort of go, when they save that one lost soul, the like stockbroker, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they like, and he's just there. And I'm like, oh, I've been in those positions where you're just there. And like, maybe there is someone that's just like meditate. I love the idea that there's someone <laughs> like just meditating or whatever, like to get into to, Save all these lost souls and like grant them enlightenment, and that suddenly you just back. You're like, what am I doing? I just love how he just sweeps everything off his desk. He's like, I'm alive.
0: But not just his desk. He goes to and other people's desks. Like dead. you're you're done too, right? <laughs> yes. I'm
1: free. But um, yeah, I just love how that was like how everyone was like floating in there. they they're like um in their flow because uh, sometimes you do feel like just connected mm. to this this other world and and I don't know if anyone else has ever like had that kind of feeling uh being in flow but like not being alone but being completely zoned out yeah but you like I always feel like I'm aware that there's other people that are like in the zone right now and that kind of feed off that energy okay. I don't know, I'm know i a very spiritual person <laughs> it might be me but yeah, for me, it was like a very good way to put that into a visual perspective.
0: Yeah, I did really like yeah, the way they visualized that. Um, so, I mean, all right, we, we agree on this. I'm going to go to something that, because we're going to, I think we're going to touch on some of the more of the, the themes. Um, but I want to jump to the end and talk about the, the, the final act or the ending, because if I had an, an issue with this film, I had two issues and I'll get to the second one later, but one of them was the way it ended. So I'm I'm not opposed to ambiguous endings because I was thinking about this after I watched it and thinking back to the ending of the Last of Us uh video game The Last of Us and how that was just a perfectly ambiguous ending. Mm. But for some reason with Soul by the end, I just felt that uh, I I felt that it didn't Either it went too, it wrapped up too quickly or it didn't, just didn't quite hit. Like I, I got the message. Like I said, I felt the message. Like I felt that. But as a as a story, I was wondering, like, did all these pieces hit as they usually do in a Pixar film? And I know, uh, Rena, we might disagree <laughs> on this and you might have to convince me otherwise. But for now, I'm saying that I'm not sure if the ending quite hit because we didn't really see things tie up so we never saw what became of of 22 and we didn't necessarily get to see joe at least begin to live his you know what is now his new perspective on enjoying uh life and yeah i felt that there were certain threads that were left un unthreaded <laughs> uh by the end uh what did you think
1: um before Rita like tries to uh, <laughs> convince us <otherwise, laughs> I I just want to just point out that like I agree with you Nigel like yeah. I feel like the end bit just kind of we were going through this whole motion and like we were trying to find our purpose and our spark and wow like it's so amazing to be inspired and be in a state of flow and jazz all the time and then it was like suddenly all this is happening and we've just come to a realization and oh, look now the film's over <laughs> and that's how it felt and it was like no chance like not I don't think it gave it enough chance to circle it and like highlight or maybe like put some post-it notes around it it was just like oh yeah and by the way the point is that you could you know that doesn't have to be your whole life It just be a spark <laughs> that's just the thing to like get you going
2: Yeah, I think for me it was like anything they tried to put after that would just seem trite or too. Like I don't want to know what happens next. Actually, I don't want to see what twenty two turns up as. The whole point is we don't really know who or what twenty two is. We only know their soul. We don't even know their gender or or their anything about them. We just know their soul. And if you saw them. It would change them completely, and I feel like the the ambiguity we don't we don't know yeah where they're from in the world. I mean, it implied that they land somewhere in in America somewhere, but we don't know. And I I kind of love that you don't know. It it's not the point. Like what what twenty two or what Joe does next. It's not about doing. That that's the whole thing. It's not about what you do. It's about the attitude and your outlook and and I think the important point for Joe is that he changes his outlook. So now it's it's not going to be about what he does, whether he he speaks to this nice lady or um takes the the job as the teacher or takes the job full time as as the band. that that's not relevant. What's relevant is that he's going to live now. The mindset shift. so we we see his mindset change. And I think if you start giving him things to do, you'd almost be repeating the same problem that Joe is kind of wrapped up in, like having a thing. There's so many films, they like try to cut down the amount of things in people's lives. And, and they, you know, they like, oh, they, they don't have a family because we don't have time to talk about a family. But I like <laughs> that they just go like, oh, there's maybe a romance not really focusing on. So it gives you ideas. Like you're at the same point as Joe. You're leaving that house with all the ideas of the endless possibilities you have to go out and enjoy. I could go get a pizza. I could meet up with my friends. I could go play piano. I can. And he gets to pick. Uh, So I think that's why it's it's so meaningful for me. And I think I think it would be a shame to give you an example to answer those questions. But maybe I'm wrong
1: not see in 22, but it felt like they were telling us that Joe had a shift in, in like a mindset, but like I didn't, I don't feel like Joe had a shift in mindset. So
2: and <laughs> maybe not, maybe, maybe he fails at trying to change.
1: Yeah. But he's going to try. But I just feel like that point was not highlighted enough
0: just like hammered hammered in and i i get i i now i'm like both ways but i get that i think 22 i don't have a issue with. i think for mm. a job because and maybe it's because they set up things so specifically mm. the because he, he he starts off in a class and then it's like i'm gonna you know i've got this dream but i've been offered this job and this security and this thing and i don't want it like he gets you know the teacher's happy but he's not and yeah I i felt that they, they would have, like, come back to that or some hint of that, like, mm-hmm. that's going to be, but again, like you say, it's not, about the thing. it's not about the thing, but I don't know, but having set that up, I felt they would come and and put some kind of cap on it to say, this is what's going to happen next, yeah. whether they show it or not, but just to hint at it, and then they didn't, and that's what my issue is.
1: Because, like, I feel like there was all these moments that could have been revisited that weren't really, I mean, they do, like, a little montage at the end, right? I still don't think it didn't give you that feel that feeling like for me I I look at one of the moments and it would have been him like Joe going back to the barbers and getting his haircut and just like as Joe talking. talking to um I've got the barber's name but yeah just talking Oops,
0: yeah, maybe. Not sure. yeah, something. Like
1: that. <laughs> um, and just like asking a bit more about his family and his kids, because that was a moment that was like Joe realizing that oh, he's just kind of like not didn't even think about this other person's
0: life. Mm. Yeah, because even that, even like it didn't, it wouldn't have taken much, even just that, that's just just to confirm that Joe got a message.
1: Yeah, and things are gonna <laughs> change. Yeah, that's it. Just I just just want like a little cherry on top, or just a bit more time taken in in some of those sequences just at the end, because it just felt very like it ended on such a rushed pace. I don't know. And if we like look at the, the like jazz side of things, jazz speeds up and slows down. Again, I'm not a massive music person, so. but from what I know about jazz, it like speeds up and slows down. And this kind of went on like an upwards trajectory. Like it started off, well, it had, like, the sort of fast bit at the beginning, but then other than that, it was kind of, like, paced and then sped up. And I feel like they could have done a little bit. I don't know. Who am I? <laughs> I've never made a movie in my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, Pete, I hope you're taking notes, because, you
3: know. <laughs> what about you, Renee? I think I kind of am sort of with ending how it is, because... I think after the movie, it, it you're, you, you're sitting down and uh, you as a watcher are still thinking and processing everything. And I think if you if they put more information um, out there on how he lived his life afterwards. I personally uh, like it that they took it like this. Because, yeah, to change these things in your own life it doesn't happen overnight or maybe by one experience. But it will take mm. more time, I think.
0: Okay, it's like a process. It's like a
3: yeah, and I think I think it's 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 nice they left it open because uh, it basically like that's the life is there's no right way or something like it differs for every person. And if I'm I'm terrible at explaining this, but uh...
0: no, I get it. It's kind of like that interpretation. So it is is left to your interpretation, and that's I like that. Like I said, I I I mentioned The Last of Us and that that Mm. it's ending without sort of saying what happens there but just it's it's very much your interpretation so yeah i do i get that
3: yeah so you as as like after you watch it you as uh as a watcher are left with like what would would he do and um mm-hmm. you will fill it fill it in for him instead of the movie filling it in for you mm-hmm. if that makes sense it's like it's a, just about to take a breath you're like <gasps> and step yeah.
2: and you don't know and it has this sort of like, I, I think maybe that's what you're feeling, I, you know, and it is slightly unsatisfying, but I think that's what makes it good, <laughs> in a sort of a
1: way. <laughs> Do you know what, for me, it's not that. It's that, I don't know, like the whole, um, you know, going back to fine 22 mm. and then, you know, get into that that last breath. That bit so quick that I feel like there needs to be an extra bit, mm. just a little something, because that last message is squeezed into such a tiny like spot it just like it happens so quickly that it needs something it just needs a cherry on top to <laughs> to highlight that that was that was the point kind of thing
2: yeah i think that's that's fair for sure i yeah i think maybe it's about that speed that as you say we go from joe Playing his piano to rescuing twenty two to twenty two, getting her spark bat, Earth badge to you know Joe thinking he's gonna die now and and Joe not dying now and then uh, and then end and I think you're right that is to use uh, Pixar's economy maybe too economical and and it could have done with just a little bit more space to breathe would have made it feel a bit
3: better and might have satisfied it i'm not sure how you guys feel about this but i personally think if i would change one thing about the ending it would be the fact that they granted um joe a second life maybe yeah i was thinking i didn't expect he was gonna get one i was
2: was thinking i
0: I was like is is he gonna die because that's quite again for a quote-unquote kids film it's that would be quite dark but quite like bold if they just that's it. <laughs> you you had your chance. Like I wasn't sure how I was thinking about it, but I wasn't sure where I landed.
3: Yeah, 'cause, cause I th- I think if they would have done that, uh it it's definitely bold, but I think I think I personally think that would be the perfect end ending. It it will be like a bittersweet ending. Like of mm. course you want him to have like uh a second life and live his life with everything he learned, but then again, it would also be like a sort of a closure of the whole story.
0: Mm. You know what? I wouldn't like that. And only because, like I said, this connects with me so, uh, so much that if, if he had died at the end, that would have said to me, like, it's over. <laughs> like, like, the fact he got a second chance means, like, oh, I, I could have a, another chance. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with I like him living.
1: <laughs> I feel like, for me, because I did also, like, watching that, I was like, oh, okay, they that they gave him a second chance. Um, It would have been before like because before that I didn't realize that he was like on the stairs and then they like zoom out I kind of can't remember I remember being like oh that's where they I didn't realize I thought he was just gonna go back to his body because he Mm. wasn't he didn't actually die that second time he left his body right but the thing that like I think would have been great is if they just left it a complete unknown like you don't did he die did he go back to his body like it would have just been for the up for interpretation and that would have been like a nice just ending but then it also wouldn't have got that like comedy moment between Jerry and Terry so <laughs> we had to have that
2: yeah okay yeah. i think i agree to to some extent renée i really thought that was where they were going and that he was at peace you know there was a certain part of him like he knew that by doing this he wasn't going to survive. Like, I felt like that was that was part of it. He's, he was willing to sort of sacrifice himself to a certain extent, which which to be fair, he, he was quite selfish for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he did. He did come in hairy. with selfish intent. <laughs> but he, there was a lot of times when he he acted selfishly and not because he was probably to like mapping out.
0: i'm gonna theory. i'm gonna nab this earth badge i'm gonna kick you aside and i'm gonna get back in my body like whoa joe <laughs>
2: and he was so mean to 22 as well. like I, and i kind of were like you know let her go to earth but he wasn't gonna do it right and and he kind of realized maybe 22 deserves this chance and maybe it's time it's time for me so i feel like that was kind of a really powerful thing that he has accepted, like all the other people who had earlier on were standing on the staircase, the yeah. like escalator, kind of or whatever that was going up. That they he was like, Why aren't you fighting? and they were kind of like, Oh, it's time for me. And he got to that moment as well. So they really packed a lot of like, <laughs> like emotional changes that
3: last he's like, yeah. Okay, I've sort of I'm ready now, and then they're like, Not yet. Yeah, I think especially when when he because he also he sort of did a second life when he came back and played with Dorothea, he was left with this empty feeling, and it's still. I think at that moment for him it clicked, and uh, the moments with twenty two as well. He learned like a lot from her. So for for the ending, I think it like he coming to terms with everything and um, living this last bit of his life. Yeah, I th- I think it would have um, an open ending or I would have preferred that kind of ending. But then yeah. again, yeah, for the Terry part, I'm happy they did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's it's that nudge back into accessible. Like I feel like, and I and I know, you know, kids can handle a lot, families can handle a lot, but I think it just nudges it back into a slightly more comfortable place.
1: As yeah. you're like talking about it, it's kind of gone back to like, what Nigel said about it being like, oh, this means that it's not just the end. Not quite that, but the idea of like in life we learn lessons and it might not be that sometimes it's not the first time that like that mis- we make that mistake or whatever that thing happens to us. We we don't always learn the lesson that first time. And then sometimes it happens again. And that second time we're still missing the message <laughs> and we're just not <laughs> getting it. And we really do need just I'm like
0: just guilty of that as well
1: yeah and we do need that like constant repetition to learn that lesson, and I think that's something now that we're talking about it, like no, I kind of like that because sometimes we learn we get burned and we learn the lesson straight away, uh, but sometimes you know we don't
2: <laughs> and I think that lots of movies make us feel like you know as as the heroes of our own story, you know we're gonna we're gonna learn a lesson and then we're gonna prove and we'll never make that mistake. <laughs> exactly and it's just not true and and progress isn't straight and i feel like for joe chances are he's going to fall back into some of those patterns again and he'll be at risk of of being too obsessed and too absorbed with his music and hopefully this this memory will pull him back and go like oh yeah wait wait wait
1: maybe he'll teach 22
2: maybe he'll teach twenty 20- two, <laughs> but she did not <laughs> like music that was one thing she was like really well she, kinda she
1: kind of liked it more when she was on earth like and yeah. she also still has to go to school, so like she might just get forced into a music lesson. Don't necessarily have to like it to be in that
0: class. <laughs> yeah. So I want to mention like the themes, and and we get to that, we've we've talked about some of them, but there's I think some specific themes that we can draw out because uh, I did like in this film this the way the perspective of Joe and therefore the audience is changed to learn that lesson, like while he's observing twenty two. Be him, and in some ways, be a better version uh, than him. Uh, So I definitely want to talk about that. The one thing I do want to shout out, though, I just that just the other thing I felt, just as someone that that works with young people, uh, kids, students in uh, in creative like uh, storytelling sessions, I really appreciated first of all the opening when he was in that class, and this room of students is just butchering duke ellington (laughs) like just butchering completely i'm like i understand that like when you've got (laughs) when you've got kids like and some of them don't want to be there some don't care and you're just like why can't you do this (laughs) uh uh, why can't you do this better i like i felt for joe like i've been in that situation (laughs) but then when we see connie kind of stand up i've also i've seen that i've seen that that talented kid in the class that kind of just steps out but then because they're in that environment where most people don't care they kind of because she's very much within the class if that within the standard of the class which is in that class is quite low so you get those kids that are that have that talent but just and especially at that age you don't want to stand out too much or in the wrong way so you sort of limit yourself uh, so that scene in particular, for those two reasons, kind <laughs> of took on uh, special significance. Just because I've seen both <laughs> uh, in in that, but yeah, the, the the themes and the reason why this this touched me so much, and I just saw myself enjoy, not just because he's black, uh, that although that did help, but is <laughs> the idea of this, yeah, this guy who specifically this guy who has this belief that. I just need to do this thing. I need to get to this level and everything will be okay. And I've, I've that those conversations like he's had, he's having with his, his mom early on. Like I've had those conversations, but all with me, <laughs> like I've, <laughs> I've had all those, um, sort of conversations like, like, but what if you don't, what if it doesn't work out and, um, that kind of thing. So that just number one, that thing just hit me. And yeah i i would just like throw it out as to how that particular theme might have like impacted everyone else but just the idea that as he watches 22 be a better version of him just living life and the idea that joe believes that he's born to play music like he believes des is born to cut hair when actually he's not he's just this is where he ended so yeah how did that how did that impact you i'll, I'll open it out to everyone to to jump in
2: I I really loved that and it's such a complex message. And I I thought was really interesting and maybe this is my generation in particular, but like my my parents' generation was like happiness was when you had job security and you got a sensible job that paid your bills, permanent pensionable job, and then you'd be happy because you could support yourself. And then our generation, I feel we were told, No, find your dream, find what you're good at and work hard and succeed, and then you'll be happy. When you find what you're really good at and your dream job that's what you should be aiming for and that's what happiness looks like and of course neither of those things are true <laughs> <laughs> and i think that maybe maybe we're coming to the point where we're starting to get a more nuanced understanding you know what happiness is and, and it's neither job security nor is it your dream job and, and it's probably not just looking at the sun either it's probably some fun combination of all those things and finding the balance that's right for you but i think it's it can be so destructive to yeah uh, have this sort of of chasing a, a dream or, or feeling that there's some sort of standard that you're supposed to hit as well yeah. uh, and for us as as creatives as well we've got this arbitrary standard that's impossible that we set just beyond their actual capabilities all the time <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be happy with my art when I can just draw a little better. And and it's always just that little better than I am right now. And it can be crippling. Right. And, and I think that's, that's what's fascinating about this. And for someone like Pete, like we talked about Pete Doctor, who's achieved what so many people love to achieve. And he's sitting there going, is this what life is all about?
0: (laughs) that just seemed mad to me yeah that's just how you could be in that position and still be like oh is this it is
2: this is this what i'm supposed to be doing with my life
1: yes please yes please keep doing yeah, it Yeah, it <laughs> <is>. <laughs> so i i love how this film portrayed the idea of not so much purpose but like living so for me i always felt like that well for ages like i i've been a lost soul my whole life, I guess, <laughs> I'm only really now figuring out like where I, I fit into the grand scheme of things, I guess. For a long time, I just was just living, I was just trying things out and doing things. I was passionate about while also doing stuff, you know, that and uh, money and dessert. And then I got to a point where I was like, I don't know, like external things got into my head and I felt, cause I could never tell someone like, here's the box I fit into that I felt like I needed to find that box that I fit into, which I feel like is purpose and how like Joe sees purpose here. Like born to do this one thing. I feel like I used to be 22, just like living. And then for ages, I was just like, for like a few years, I've just been trying to like put myself into this place. So for me, I kind of saw what Joe was seeing as like purpose was, spark and it's just that it's that thing that you can always go back to where you should always be doing your passion, but not necessarily as a job. And and not making your passion who you are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. Because that's what Joe does. That is that is him.
1: So um and I really connected with that. It really made me, um like I was saying earlier to Nigel, like I this year something just I've been in a daze the last few years of my life. And like, I want to enjoy life. I think life's got so many beautiful opportunities in it. And there's no one way and no, like, singular purpose. There's just all these things to be experienced. Um, and so it really, like, spoke to me in that way.
0: Yeah. What did you think, Renee?
1: I think
3: it's really, like, a nice reminder of uh, enjoying the small things in life. Because it's, for me, it's yeah, it's very easy, like, to uh, lose sight of, uh why you do things sometimes? actually, me uh, when I saw uh, the movie like and the dynamics between 22 and uh, Joe observing how he was so focused on his passion and his ambition and uh, what he wanted that he lost sight of appreciating the small things around him and the people around him or just enjoying it without having someone else's approval. Like a passion doesn't have to be, especially, I think, especially in this time with social media and uh, especially for younger kids, everyone wants to display their best works and how talented they are in things or uh, passionate about things. And that's not what passion is, should be about. And we quickly lose sight of why we want to do things in the first place. And if I look for myself, um, I had this like a couple of years back. Uh, I was constantly anxious and stressed, and um, well, easily got uh, panic attacks for just um, going to a convention or show my work to people. And I didn't really get where this was coming from at first. And at some point, I had a realization when I started uh, doing workshops at schools, teaching kids um, how to draw simple cartoons or characters, and. Uh, what came for me like as yeah, as an artist and after years of practicing, uh, I had to go back to the basics like, okay, how do you start drawing? How, how do you do this? And then the question for me came like, why do I do this again? And it was a nice reminder for me that is just to enjoy it (laughs) i don't have to do this for any uh, anyone except for myself and i don't need people's approval for that so yeah it's kind of when i saw this movie it kind of reminded me of that moment i had uh, a couple years back
0: and it it, i think that idea of like the small moments because i think that's like for me what i took from it is is that i struggle with that the same way joe struggles with it uh, and just needing that reminder and i just want to drop this this part of the film where after joe does perform with dorothy williams and they're standing outside the club uh, i'm just going to quote the whole thing because mainly because i need to hear it again um but they're, they're standing there and joe just has this unsatisfied look uh, on his face and he's like you know what happens next and she's like you know we come and do it all again uh tomorrow and then he tells her like you know i thought there'd be I thought there's more to it and she tells him the story about um so she says i heard this story about a fish he swims up to an older fish and says i'm trying to find this thing they called the ocean the ocean the older fish says that's what you're in right now this says the younger fish this is water what i want is the ocean and that was the moment where i was like i need to get up and just go and lie in this field (laughs) because that hit me (laughs) it's that yeah just you're you're in it this is it like there's no it's the idea of like trying to get to the destination there's no destination you're in it it's the journey it's the process And like it's particularly for those creative uh, fields it's about learning to appreciate um enjoy the process because that's that's it (laughs) you're you're in the ocean you know and Mm -hmm. yeah that's just something i just took many things i took but that thing that i took i need to print that and put that on my wall uh, somewhere but um yeah there's like so many themes in this and the other part i liked is when they're at the barber shop and uh 22 as joe is talking to uh there's the barber and he's just learning about his life and 22 and joe are learning and des is happy to be talking about his life and then you know at the end he's like why didn't you ever talk to you know tell me about this and it's because joe only talked about jazz his thing that's it that's all he talked about so mm-hmm. he just says like he never asked and it's just that idea of enjoying life and i think things like even things like like the the podcast that we do the interviews um like i've also found just like talking to people just like asking people about what they do and uh you, you just learn and you just enjoy that that process so yeah there's so much in this film they just like uh slap me over the head and <laughs> uh, in a good way <laughs> that, I, that I appreciate
2: and it's separating out the idea of being good at something being successful at something and enjoying something mm-hmm. and those things all like all being different and not necessarily always the same thing or you know sometimes you feel like you have to have it you have to be good at it and you have to be successful and and you don't necessarily need all of those things like you can I I play piano. I love playing the piano. I am not good at playing the piano. And, and this whole movie, I was watching it thinking piano, <laughs> so, and I I don't I don't mind. Like, I I don't need to be good at the piano. I just enjoy it. And I think that's something. It's, it's something that I was like taking away from the film. It's like. You know, when when we make the thing that we enjoy our purpose, and this kind of to what you're saying about Tazi earlier, then we start adding all these extra things on top, because it's not just about enjoying it now. You have to be successful at it. You have to you have to achieve something, because it's now connected to to who you want, to who you are, and your dreams and your ambition. And I'm glad, for instance, I never wanted to be a concert pianist because I'm not good at the <laughs> piano. <laughs> Um, but it's the same is true for art and sometimes I think about you know you're talking about I've had so much so many times when I've struggled with appreciating my art and drawing and actually finding the love of the craft and and being able to create things for myself um, and lots and lots of art block uh, and it's all to do with this pressure that we place on ourselves to to achieve, and not just do, and I mm-hmm. think that was that was why it's so important to rem- to remember, you know, that maybe Joe is going to have this his flow and his moments of peace and enjoyment with his piano. Maybe he's going to find more of those sitting at home, playing for himself, than he will on stage, playing yeah. for with Dorothea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, this is uh, a. <laughs> <oof. laughs> Heavy. I know. Yeah. It's like uh it always seems to be the the, the, the animation.
2: The Pixar movies that get
0: us. Is, is what, <laughs> that's what happens. Um all right, so before I do this storytelling tip, does anyone have any last thoughts or takeaways?
1: Well I've been saving this one thing because I thought you was gonna ask us at the end. <laughs> i was just like it's not even in there. Um favorite scene. Um oh, so- I do usually do that.
0: I did forget that. <laughs>
1: So my favorite scene um, was the was actually the barber shop scene. And just that whole scene from start to end was great. I just love like every moment. 22 like being like, oh, I'm the boss, so I can have I can have one of those. (laughs) But the thing that really highlights it for me uh, was when 22 says, well, you were born to be a hairdresser. And like, then we get into the conversation about like Des actually wanting to um, be a veterinarian and then things changed. And then he goes, oh, that must really suck that you don't get to live your, like, you're not happy now, you don't get to live your purpose. It's like, no, I'm really happy. <laughs> Crazy talk! <laughs> what are you on about? And it, but there was so much happiness expressed the way he was just like, no, I'm really happy. And for me, like that moment here, if I was to like, if there was a bow on this film, it would be that moment. It would that would just be like tied up neatly in a bow. I did like that. Yeah, because it just it's like yeah, you can still be happy just because you didn't follow that pursue that one dream. You know, like, that is is probably really happy It has, like, a child, and, you know, it seems like they have a really happy family life and, you know, they get to enjoy listening to other people's stories and they're happy with that life. Is that real, like, if you shoot for the moons, you might land in the stars,
0: kind of? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, anyone else with any last thoughts or favourite scenes?
2: The only last thought I have is that it, they really missed a trick in a film about the meaning of life that they didn't call her 42.
0: 40, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, that's just a this, uh, thought that we weren't quite nerdy enough. I thought I would add. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: uh, <laughs> to make sure.
2: <laughs> just to
3: double down. Done.
0: <laughs> uh, Renee, how about you?
3: Mm, I, I personally don't have a specific moment like there are so many points in the movie that I was like wow that's deep and they even put yeah. this in and even that in so for me it's just, just I can watch beginning to end yeah 10 times uh, <laughs> again
0: <laughs> okay um I will say actually um my last thing actually links to what <laughs> Taz was saying but in a uh, funny way just about representation and the the, <laughs> the scene that led to Joe needing to go to the barber when the cat <laughs> had, the, had the clippers, and just like yeah, I I understood that. I was like, be careful because you can mess this up. <laughs> I just I I just felt that also. Same as the uh the scene outside the club, but in a different way. I felt that, and I feel that's the the idea of representation, and it, it's something I was thinking after watching, and I was going to bring it up, but then I also got my question i was going to ask answered when i watched a uh, youtube video uh, about it so uh, shout out to ebonic sims who mentioned this video on our gaming round table it's um sold from a black script editor's perspective i'm going to put this in the show notes but it just basically talks about this film being a you know pixar's first film with a black lead character and when i first saw that i had expectations i will say whether sort of uh, reasonable or not that this would be pitched a certain way thinking back to Pixar's like other works like um, Coco uh, came to mind and how that was a film very much like steeped in like Latin culture and very much part of the story and thinking about Soul as um, a film with a black lead and it wasn't so much steeped in any kind of uh, black culture there were like touchstones with the barbershop for example and uh, the scene before it Uh, and I, i was like wondering like you know how much of it do i need did i need to see i recommend people check out this um this video it's really insightful gives a good perspective and it kind of made me feel that actually it's it's good that this was a like universal story and the main character just happened to be black and as much as i do like to see that kind of representation that links back to sort of cultural touchstones it's also nice just to have a film that everyone can enjoy and the characters just having to be black that's good too so um yeah i'll put that in the show notes that people can can check it out so yeah with that that was our very deep dive into soul before we wrap i'm gonna get into our storytelling tip So each time we do a deep dive on the podcast I like to pull out a storytelling tip for people to consider uh, who might be making their own stories. So it's kind of a consideration from a practitioner's perspective because I'm someone who makes stories so I like to learn from the techniques um, or mistakes of others. So for today's episode I wanted to discuss the idea of setting the rules of your story world and this is something that kind of it happens whether your story takes place in a in a real life setting or completely made made up and Soul kind of has both. But in either case, you need to establish your, your rules and not all rules are created equally. So that's what I wanted to bring up here. So briefly, just like in storytelling, like establishing the rules is anything that describes how your story world works. Uh, so rules that inform how your character interacts with their environment or with other characters. And they can even give hints as to what may come later on in the story. So it's that kind of key to world building um, that doesn't just apply to like epic fantasy stories. And when you create your story, when you put it together, you often see in the first act of a story some time is spent establishing the rules that will be built, will be built upon later in the story. And this kind of saves time later on so you don't have to explain things again because you've established them and how they work early on. Uh, so this is part of what helps Pixar uh, and any storyteller just be economical with their storytelling by building on these concepts. Uh, so it's something that kind of I do, like I say, with our uh, manga. So for example, uh, Samurai Chef is a story about a cooking show where the chef judges food by attacking it with a samurai sword fairly straightforward so early on we see the fundamentals of the of the show the television show format two teams enter they prepare meals those meals are then judged by uh, the chef um, he then gives a score and a winner is declared that's how it works so once i established this early on in the pages i introduced the first twist which is the samurai sword and the fact that the chef is not tasting food he's smashing up food with his sword And then later on comes an even bigger twist where the meals are turned into monsters and starts fighting back. So from that point, the story becomes something entirely different, but it still sticks to those rules established early on. Chefs still prepare meals, those meals are judged, and a score is given. It also plays on the conventions of a cooking show format. I feel like if anyone has a TV, you've had a cooking show forced in your eyes uh, at some point. So this is another approach with world building where you take aspects of your story that are based on things your audience will likely know, whether it's because of like previous works or societal norms or culture. Uh, So with Soul, you've got a story that takes place in New York, which even if you haven't been to New York, you have some idea of uh, whether, you know, from past cultural references. So we know about like, you know, it's a city, it's loud, You're expecting honking taxis, uh, bustling, noisy streets, uh, and rats dragging pizza along the sidewalk. It's It's all expected. But a large part of the story takes place in this world of souls, the great before. And because this is a place the audience may not be familiar with, those rules need to be established so that situations later on make sense because they stick to this established logic of the story world. So, for example, in Soul, we know joe can't get back to earth without a completed badge because uh, we saw that early on so we know what joe wants why he can't go back to earth with 22 at the end of the film as well we see being in the zone set up uh, we know that it gives you special access to this uh, particular part of the soul world and later on joe uses it to go from his apartment back to the soul world to find 22 uh, and we also know the, the window that can be made between the human and the soul world. So we see Moonwind use it early, fairly early on, and then later Terry uses the same mechanism to move around worlds and recapture uh, Joe in 22. So it's important to understand the, the setting of your story to be able to establish those rules that your audience needs to know to enjoy your story. So a few things to consider. If, number one, if your story takes place in a real world setting, you may not need to spend a ton of time explaining everything so you can save space in your story for more important aspects. So for example, we don't need to know how gravity works or why a character holding an umbrella when they spot dark clouds on the horizon, that kind of thing. Uh, Number two, if your story takes place in a world you have created, make sure you establish the rules of that world. And the key is to make sure the rules are clear in the mind of your audience because you know everything, but they only know what you tell them. Uh, Number three is make sure the audience has what they need to know when they need to know it. So that kind of relates to uh, story structure. And Pixar, I feel like are just like masters of story structure. So they ensure that you're seeing things in the right order so it doesn't cause confusion later on. And number four, last one is try wherever possible to connect the rules that are needed with emotions and experiences so sometimes and especially with epic fantasies having to explain rules can lead to uh, exposition which can lead to boring sequences in your story but if you link that information with experiences and emotions of your characters it can help that become uh, help that avoid uh, being boring so an example i look at, like that comes to mind is in full metal alchemist where edward elric learns the rules of alchemy by breaking a core rule and losing his brother's body in the process so it's highly emotional but also teaches us uh, about the rules of this world so a few things to think about let us know your thoughts if you are making your own story building your own worlds whether it's a book a manga a uh, film whatever it might be feedback at myamada.com or join our discord and let us know there <laughs>
1: As always, great tip from Nigel there. We do have a couple of questions. So just a reminder that you can send in your questions and feedback through our emails and social media. And Kota Kitty on Instagram asks us, do you find that concepts of meaning of life and death are a bit heavy for, for an animated, for children, film to deal with? I feel like I know everyone's answers for this. But. Yeah,
0: yeah, we have kind of touched on that. I, I will say that it, you'd be surprised what kids are able to deal with. And if it's packaged the right way, obviously, because you're dealing with something that kids can watch. So you don't need to go into all the gory details. But in terms of the concepts, yeah, I think people are, or well, let me not say people, me. <laughs> uh, I'm sometimes surprised at what like kids can understand and what kind of conversations you can have with them. Uh, if you don't just assume that, oh, because you're uh, a child, there's no way you can understand this. Having said that, it is quite heavy, but <laughs> I think they've done it in a, in a good way.
2: I mean, I think it's also the truth is like, yeah, it's nice if as a child, you don't have these themes, but when every child gets to grow up without experiencing loss or, or being maybe very ill uh, and having to think about this themselves. So I think... We would love maybe to protect kids from these aspects of the world, but the world doesn't always give them that chance. So I, I think preparing them and, and helping finding films that deal with some of these ideas in a way that they can, you know, maybe they won't get everything, but they they certainly can enjoy it. And then I was thinking about it as well, like put so maybe not for the younger kids under 10, but anyone over that. We do start asking them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You start having to make decisions, even in school, about what subjects you're going to take or you know what you think you're good at or what you think you're bad at. And this idea of being good at something or having a dream, I think is something that they're thinking about. I certainly thought about it when I was a young teenager. Maybe this is, again, a good thing for kids to be thinking about, hey, I don't have to have it all figured out just because I'm
1: choosing my A-level subjects <laughs> I don't have to know what I want to be yeah you, know? you definitely start getting asked about what you want to be way before 10
2: yeah 100 percent. but at least at that stage you're probably still on the like fireman or the
1: <laughs> footballer or the princess or whatever I agree we can't I, life and death is just a part of life there's there's no way to protect a child from that and I don't think Personally, it's not something I'd ever children if I had them from, because I feel like it just makes it that much harder to deal with when suddenly you're faced in a, with a situation where you have to deal with things. And you've been given zero concept or preparation. I think we underestimate how intelligent children are and that they are literally just sponges taking on the world. And like you said, like not everyone has the luxury of not dealing with death or illness in fact a lot of children are exposed to these things before they even have a concept of being <laughs> that they are alive you know before they realize that they are a conscious being that they that death is in their life and they grow up with and i think low i don't i think a lot of adults are unable to deal with death because they were never those conversations were never brought up from a younger age and I think Pixar does this amazing job of giving them the idea that like, this thing exists, you don't have to deal with it now. You might be, but if you don't, then that's fine. You can just enjoy the journey of the, the film, but you're just, you're just aware so that when these things do happen in your life, because inevitably they will, you're not suddenly like, hit with shock
3: uh, <laughs> I think kind of like normalizing uh these kind of subjects might in my opinion personally be better for kids because it's basically we adults decide what we think kids can handle and not. And I remember like my niece when she was like I think seven years old, she asked me like why what's <laughs> actually she did ask me like why do we live? What's the purpose of being alive? Oh, okay. And I was like, boy, you're seven yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it it just it means like yeah, kids are can handle more things than we actually think sometimes, and it depends on how we approach it and how we make it okay for them to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. That's very important. I think that's important. the way.
0: Yeah, it's how you how you talk about. It. I, I will just add a quick child being deep story to that. <laughs> uh, I was in a session once, and there's this kid we're designing characters, so he's designing characters, and I had talked about protagonist and antagonist. So he's designing this character and I just say like, oh, is that your antagonist? Is that your villain character? He's like, Yeah, it's my it's my villain. Or maybe it's money. Maybe money's the real villain. And like, Whoa, oh how how really? old are you? <laughs> he's like, I'm I'm ten. I think it was ten or eleven. Like, good on you, kid. Okay. <laughs> so so yeah, they they get it from somewhere. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And they do still like I think kids start asking questions before ten. You know, like I've heard of kids asking about depression.
2: And being depressed as well. Yeah.
1: And not knowing how to talk about it because no one does. <laughs> they don't have the words and they don't, or they don't even have, you know, this can be something like that you can point out. Oh, like in soul, you know, just normalizes things a bit that are normal. <laughs> that's the thing. We're not talking about something that's like a, a rare occurrence
3: yeah I think especially like as for uh, for kids and uh, even for adults, it's like we think we're kind of ashamed to talk about it. like am I the only one, or should I mm-hmm. mention this problem or thing that I'm struggling with, or will people judge me and think it's weird? Yeah, and especially kids so have this fear so much more than when we are uh, grow up because they're like,' uh, you when you're older, you have it all figured out, so maybe it's stupid for me to ask this or something like that. so if we adults be yeah better role model i guess <laughs> be like hey it's okay to talk about the things it's okay to be what you said depressed or and to question things and talk about this so yeah <laughs>
2: yeah i think we almost we we almost as kids learn not to talk then mm. start asking questions i think the questions come first i agree with you that question about like what's death what's life and you know they come early and then. We as parents, I think, because uh, well, I'm not a parent, so I'm a speaker hypothetically. We as uh, we as adults, we don't know how to answer those questions, so we kind of go, mm-hmm. and then the kid goes, "Oh, I guess, okay, whatever." And they don't necessarily stop asking at some point, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It's like the you know regular joking in movies when a kid's like, "Why? Why? 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 <laughs> why?" <laughs> Uh, kids are naturally inquisitive that's what being a child is, its learning <laughs> yeah so if you did want to send in your questions or you want to send us in your feedback you can do so feedback at mymada.com or on our discord or you can message us on social media at mymada on twitter at mymada on instagram or at tazzy on both but before we do end the show um, we're gonna check in with our guests So, I just want to get a little bit about um, what if you've got any interesting projects coming up or news, um, and also where people can find you online. Um, so, we'll start with Rina.
2: So, right now, I've just, as I said earlier, wrapped up my One uh, Division series of pictures. So, hopefully, working on a new project, personal project. And of course, watch this space for. The next game I'm working on, I can't give you a release
1: date, but hopefully soon. Awesome. And Renée, what about you?
3: So uh, I've been working on a couple things. A weird year it has been. So I'm a little bit behind schedule on a couple of things, but they're coming this year. For one, next month I'll be um, yeah, starting to announce uh, an anthology project I'm working on. So keep an eye out on that and yeah other comic related stuff and that's it
1: (laughs) we'll add all the relevant information in the show notes um over to Nigel to wrap up the end of the show
0: yeah thank you to Renee and Rina for this therapy session of an episode I feel better (laughs) Uh, I hope you feel better too
2: very much so thank you so much (laughs) for having me uh, where 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 do I send the check for your uh, oh, yeah. cancelling fees? <laughs> <piece? the>,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a uh, well deserved check. To be fair, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, if you have uh, also enjoyed this session of Story X Story, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, I mentioned early on that we are working on a new Mayamada manga, uh, which you can find, or you will be able to find on our website, but you can currently find uh, our existing manga titles, uh, including Samurai Chef, which I also mentioned. And Serious Through the Fog will come at some point in spring. We're about to start uh, working on the artwork. So you can check all that out at mayamada.com forward slash manga. Uh, and we have uh, the next gamepad online event coming April 10th uh, at the moment you can join our gamepad discord and also check out our new studio 77 membership for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the my matter universe uh, we release episodes podcast episodes on Thursdays that include creative interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture like the one you have just heard you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story Uh, thank you for tuning in until next time stay safe and remember you are already in the ocean take care everyone